Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Sean's got a uh, a nice nice John Deere farmer uh, farm hat on. Um, farm, <laughs> so you know it would go nice with that that hat, Sean. What's that? Oh, oh no, no. A uh, what are you gonna What are you gonna sell me now? A free. <laughs> I'm not selling you anything. I'm giving you something okay. for free. Okay. A free Firestone T-shirt from uh, the people over at Axon. They're going to give you a free Firestone T-shirt and a digital tire pressure gauge if you uh, send an email to Moving Iron, or not Moving Iron Podcast. Send an email there too if you want to, but if you want the free stuff, go to marketingaxontire.com and they will send that to you. Give them all your details to so the Moving Iron Podcast sent you, and they will send over a free Firestone T-shirt and a free digital tire pressure gauge. So send an email to marketing at axontire.com. So let's go great with that hat, Sean. Well, you know what? You, you, you certainly uh, you know, haven't, didn't deflate me yet. <laughs> oh, there you go. Look at that. <laughs> Sean's got <Sorry>. jokes. <laughs> All right. All right. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. For more information, go to agdirect.com where you can apply online. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean Hackett is with Bo- is not with Boca Raton, Florida. He's from Boca Raton, Florida, and he is with Hackett Financial. And Sean is nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the market. So, Sean, how you doing this morning, man? I'm doing real good. Really, you know, getting getting fired up for the growing season like we do every year around this time. All right, so. on, man. Okay, so before we got started doing this, uh, we do our little pre-show wrap here, and and uh, you were talking about the. Uh, weather predictions between La Nina and El Nino and the, how hard it is to predict what's going on in the spring and, and the reactions that are made to some very uh, limited information that's out there. So talk about that a little bit, Sean. Year after year after year after year, um, many forecasters and prognosticators uh, try to make grand conclusions about the direction of El Nino and La Nina during the springtime. It's a notorious, we call it the widowmaker the false flag 
um, and they constantly make mistakes and errors and then have to backtrack um, when the real trends begin. The same thing happened last year, Casey. If you remember, we had a weakening of La Nina uh, last spring, and everyone was suggesting La Nina was over. It's not coming back. We actually could have El Nino coming next year. And you know we were very, very strong on your show and in our reports that we were looking at a second uh you know, a second round of La Nina coming that this was not the actual trend. And then the weather forecasting that was being made based upon this was incorrect. And of course, history has proven that we were correct. We had a major La Nina come back and now we've had a strengthening. We have this, the last 30 days, Casey, we've had a little bit of a strengthening of La Nina. Um, the sea surface temperatures have gotten a little colder and we're seeing now, I'm seeing now across the board, everyone making, these grand proclamations now that La Nina is going to be continuing all through the summer and the fall and, and, and just continue. And, and we think they're making another major, major forecasting error during a time in the spring when uh, it is, it is just typically, you know, they overplay these shorter term aberrations that we see. We do not see that. We do see this La Nina weakening. Uh, we do see this transition over to El Nino continuing uh, into the end of the year and, 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 and that process developing. So whatever little strength we've seen in La Nina is exactly opposite. We saw last year, we don't, we believe it's transient and we believe a lot of the weather forecasting and a lot of the weather, uh, um, with what a lot of the weather models are suggesting for this summer's growing season around the world are going to be proven once again, uh, incorrect. And so we would caution Anyone that's uh, looking at some of these weather forecasts and, and trying to make their decisions on selling and hedging and trading and that sort of thing, to be careful. We don't think that that's going to be, um, we don't think that's going to be a very good predictor of exactly how weather's really going to play out and what's going to really be driving this market. So we just, just want to just, just make sure everyone really understands the errors that are made so consistently this time of the year. And, and what, what the, the big picture thing that we want to bring home is that La Nina El Nino is driven by solar activity is driven uh, and, and it's driven like a well-tuned clock and where we are in the cycle does not allow for the, the um, perpetuation of La Nina, uh, you know, into the end of the year in any, in any shape, way or form, we will see it weaken. And this is simply a last ditch aberration that, Spring often likes to do, we call it, like I said, the false flag. Um, and so uh, we think that is something that uh, we're talking with our customers about, that we're going to be writing a lot about, and we just want to caution your readers to take a very uh, um, careful uh, pause to any of these forecasters right now. We don't think they're going to be proven correct. So. Right on. So, so talk about what's going to happen out through the, through the rest of the year. We got this. We have a rare, very rough patch right now going through planting season. So as you look through this and you get past planting season, what, what do you see for the rest of the year? Well, what, what the forecasters are saying, because they're now saying La Nina forever, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, they're now saying hot, you know, like la very, very hot, similar last year, expanding drought conditions. I mean, that's what they're hearing from the majority of the people I'm looking at. They've jumped on this. Uh, you know, it's going to be a hot, dry, drought, stricken La Nina kind of growing season. And we don't believe that's actually going to be the case. It doesn't mean there won't be a few places that they don't catch all the rains. And in, 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 in every year, there's always a place that has not enough rain. 
but we're talking about you know something that's going to be a more of, an, of a of a uh, nationwide kind of a thing. And we we actually see the drought areas shrinking considerably from last year. We see moisture much much better than last year. We see it much cooler than last year. Um, last year we were three to four degrees above normal in most of the growing areas, which was near uh, the highest differentials we've seen in a long time. And, you know, we're thinking maybe a degree above normal. I mean, it's still, I'm not, we're not saying it's going to be a cold summer, but it's going to be slightly above normal. But, but compared to last year, much, much cooler with a lot more moisture. Already, Casey, if you look at what the weather we had last spring, couldn't buy a drop of rain anywhere. Um, we got off to a very, very fast, quick planting season last year, if you recall. I do. Um, and, and now it's cold, it's snowy, they've had blizzard, feet of snow in the northern plains in the Canada, subsoil moisture being completely recharged. This was the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of the drought areas last year, and it's completely different weather. So we're, we're not getting anything like last year. So if already we're, we're seeing that this is not your typical La Nina pattern that you would expect a dry spring leading when you were dry, summer, hot, it's exactly opposite, and it's exactly what we suggested would happen, which is a late-ending winter. So we actually think that the growing season is going to be much more favorable once we get through this chaotic or difficult planting season, which we still think it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, we're going to have a, a lot of moisture. It's going to be a lot of delays, a lot of unfavorable conditions. But we think once we get through that, uh, the back half of the growing season, we think it's going to be really, really good finish, and especially for the soybean crop. Wow, I just think we're looking at all-time record yields on soybeans uh, this coming season if we're correct about uh, this forecast for the U.S. weather. And on top of it, you know, we're going to be planting historically a large number of acres at the same time. So we, we, we just feel that that is um, what's likely to happen. And, um, and, and I think that's very different from what a lot of the um, forecasters are suggesting, you know, that we're going to have a secondary round of last year. And that doesn't mean we can't have a weather scare, Casey. I mean, every year we almost always find a reason to be worried about it's too hot, it's too dry for a little while, but we do not see a debilitating protracted drought in a large area that's going to dramatically cause a crop problem. If there was going to be an area that might miss out a little bit, um, it's going to be that West Texas, West Oklahoma, West Kansas, and unfortunately, parts of nebraska we think that if there's going to be a dry patch that's probably where it's it, you'll continue to see maybe uh difficult conditions of lack of moisture but it's but compared to what we had last year casey it's a much smaller area but for obviously for those in those areas it, that could be challenging and it is challenging right mm -hmm. now so well, well thanks for the good news sean i appreciate that all right <laughs> got some uh, and, and it's that's what we're seeing around us too i mean we, you see to the extreme western part of the united states um, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, uh, especially Western Montana, they've gotten some good good moisture in that area where they didn't have the moisture we saw last year. Eastern uh, Montana got a really good blizzard. I talked to some people uh, the other day. I think it was in South Dakota where they got three feet of snow. I mean, it was. I mean, that's a, that's a significant amount. Now, having three feet of snow come all at the same time isn't a good thing, but it, it's going to be that that recharging of that. You know, three feet of Three feet of snow brings a lot of moisture with it too. So, so Canada's going to have big breakdown of production. You know, they'll yeah. get they'll get the crop planted. And it'll be a little late and maybe not perfect, but they're going to get it planted. They're going to have lots of moisture. The heat's going to be way down. Um, you know, and um, 
So, so, so just huge increases of production in the worst areas of that northern plains, uh, you know, Canadian prairies areas. Like I said, the only, the only area that might have a repeat, you know, is that corridor we just talked about. Um, you know, we still think some rains can come in. You know, I'm not sure it's a total zero, but, you know, it's, it's just unfortunate that with the way the weather air, upper airflow pattern is, it's the, the moisture is to the left. And to the, it's, just, it's just missing this strip. Uh, you know, of course, that's the KC winter wheat areas and mm -hmm. obviously where you're at. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, overall, though, in aggregate, should be a pretty good year for, for growing crops. Right on. Well, that's good news. Good news, Sean. All right, let's talk about exports for a little bit. Thursday morning, export report comes out, talking about all the stuff that we see happening there. Um, as you take a look at at, at stocks, you know, and, and where we're at with uh, with our overall balance sheet, as you start to look at this, Sean, when do you think the USDA uh, starts pulling back on some exports? Uh, what what's that indicator indicating line that's out there that's going to say hey you know what we we probably, we need to back off this a little bit. Well, you know I, I just think that we've had a lot of, but I I think the USDA and everyone else is waiting for a good crop, right? I mean I think with the minute we've had a lot of what I'd call um, uh, overbuying. That's what happens when you worry about a shortage, when you worry about none of supply. You buy way more than you actually need because you're worried about not having enough. So you say, okay, I normally would buy six months. I'm going to buy a year's supply now just to make sure I'm good. And the second that it looks like plentiful crops are coming back and we're going to refill the, end, the, the coffers and the inning stocks are going to build, oh, shoot, I overbought. <laughs> right. And then, the, and then the demand just falls off. You literally hit an air pocket. It just falls off a cliff. And all this... This illusionary demand that you thought was permanent was actually just an aberration, you know, from trend line that it actually, it, it, it's, it's real demand, but it, it was front end loaded. And now you have to deal with the air pocket later. And then all the ending stocks start to grow when it's clear, you know, that the, that the trend lines that everyone was using for their balance sheets turned out to be wrong. And, uh, and so when will that, when is the, the USDA going to be comfortable starting to do that? You know, I, I think that, you, you get into July and the crop conditions are looking good and the pollination is going well. And, you know, and we're seeing really good prospects. I think a, the buyers are going to back off and the USDA is going to start to build into their models, um, you know, some kind of a retrenchment. And they usually try to do this in the quarterly grain stocks where they either magically find or don't find bushels. They actually may just find hundreds of millions of bushels that they, didn't know we're there, are now there because they overestimated demand. This is, this is how they get away from actually admitting that they were wrong. So, Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's look at, uh, let's talk about inflation for just a little bit. All right. So we've got obviously inflationary thing. You can't get out. You can't listen to a news uh, article or, or, or read a news article or listen to a news uh, broadcast someplace where they don't talk about inflation in the U.S., um, but the inflationary issues that we see in our, our worldwide issue. I mean, you pick a country and they're having inflationary problems, right? Uh, the Eurozone is talking about another jump where they've had a pretty big surge in inflation. Um, looking at about 7.4% over the same period last year. I guess as you're looking at inflation and you're looking at all the things that we have in place right now, what are your thoughts on, you know, how, how is this going to affect the overall market? as we move into um, into the summer here? 
I mean, you know, I, I always take the view that when everyone's talking about something, that trend's about to end. You know, by the time it's everyone now was aware of inflation mm -hmm. two years ago when corn was 318, everyone was, you know, thought inflation would never come back. I mean, it'd be very, very, I, I, I don't like when everyone is saying the same things at the same time and thinking it can only, you know, that usually means the trend's about to change. It doesn't matter what inflation is today. It matters what's inflation six months, 12 months from now, it'll be substantially lower. The way the market typically deals with inflation is it has a good solid recession. It, it causes a recession, it causes demand to pull back, it allows prices to come down. And in the case of our dilapidated logistical system, which we've never really been able to get back online since we came back out of the, from the lockdowns, Casey, um, no better way to fix a system that's broken than to take some of the pressure off of it. Right. So in some respects, if, if everyone's demand falls off and we have less demand for exports, less demand for containers, less demand for shipping, it allows some excess in the system to build and allows, you know, the, the, these companies to get the, you know, get the system back working again. Um, and, and so I think the best solution to all this is to have one, you know, a really good solid economic decline and recession, which is usually how this has always been worked out in the past. And I think this will go be no different. I mean, I would imagine it's going to be very difficult not to see later on this year in 23, some kind of a serious economic slowdown and some kind of a global recession that allows prices to come back down and allows for the system to kind of re-equilibrate itself. It doesn't mean, by the way, that we're going to go back to 2020 mm -hmm. prices. I'm not saying that, but it means it's, we're going to take the top off. We're going to get these growth rates down and we're going to start to normalize things. And then, and then maybe we can reboot the system again this time around, you know, a, a, with, a, with a little less fire, um, and so that when we come out of this, we could have a more of a sustainable path where before we literally, we literally blew the, 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 the flame out and then we just turned it back on with gasoline and, you know, and realized that, you know, we now have a forest fire that we can't right. put out. Yeah. It, it, we we kind of need to kind of put that forest fire out and then start, you know, you know, turn, turn the pilot light on and, right. and, and let's just get going a little bit. And I really think ultimately... That's why the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. That's why they're kind of reducing the, the money supply and other central banks are doing the same thing. I think they realize they need to start over again. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and that's so I, I believe the inflation situation will calm down. It uh, doesn't mean it won't resurface at a later date. But for now, I think the worst of it is actually behind us. And we're, we're going to look at some better inflation and inflationary numbers ahead. Right so okay, all right. So you just you hit on the recession part, which was my next question is going to follow into um, cattle and and hogs, right? So if you go, if you look at, we've talked about it here, uh, agnosium about you know cattle prices and that they be, there's a bullish trend coming our way because herd liquidation, so on and so forth. There's going to be less animals out there. Same with hogs, less animals out there. Hogs, you see a little more volatility than you see right now in, in cattle. But as you're looking at, at those two things and you start heading into that recession, will that take the take the wind out of the sails for, for cattle as you take a look at that? Historically, um, you know, periods of economic weakness, you know, have hurt demand for beef because it's a, a, a generally a higher priced item. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe that the situation with the cattle herd numbers, especially here in the U.S., are going to be so low 
that even with reduced demand, the need for animals is going to exceed the animals that are available to come to the marketplace. So, you know, supply and demand is supply and demand, meaning, yes, technically, if demand goes down, logic would say prices should fall. But that's only if the demand falls below supply. Um, if it doesn't fall below supply, then it's not bearish. It's still bullish. So when I'm looking at this final herd liquidation that we're going through now, uh, stemming from this big surge in the feed price, the remnants of the Western drought that we just talked about earlier, and, uh, uh, and, and, and some of this harsh winter weather we've seen in uh, some of these cattle areas in the north, um, it's going to thin these animals down even further. So I think that even though, yes, undoubtedly some demand for beef is going to fall over the next 12 months, I believe that the, that the lack of supply is going to be more egregious than the reduction in demand, which means we're still not going to have enough animals and we still need to bid up those animals to satisfy the demand that will still be there even in a recession. Um, in the case of hogs, I would expect at some point, uh, you know, that, that, that the, the cattle market is a slow moving train. You can't turn the supply on right away. You can't turn it off right away. It, it's a, it's kind of almost like a tree crop, you know, has a multi-year cycle to it. Whereas the hogs, if the hog producer wants to get the hog herd rolling, they can very quickly actually do that. Now they've been unwilling to do that in the last year because of a lot of the issues that have been going on. But I would think at some point, we're already seeing, by the way, weights, hog weights, you know, growing pretty substantially uh, year over year. And, and that's the first sign, you know, that we're starting to see increased supply coming into the, to the pork side of the equation. Um, and the next thing after billing those weights is you start billing the herd numbers. And so I do think that's going to happen. And that means, you know, you know that, that um, hogs are pro probably going to be less bullish than the, than the cattle situation. And the only reason that, that I would say they're still going to be bullish is because we're, we're, the, the chicken supply is going to be way off due to this avian yeah, bird, flu, bird flu situation. Yep. And all these, you know, these birds that were, you know, killing and, and, and we're just going to have a problem with what's typically your cheapest meat out there is your chicken meat. And, and, and we're going to have a big problem with that for a while. And so that has, you know, there's going to be a demand for meat overall and if you're short of chicken you, and pork is your next you know is your next uh place that you go i mean you typically don't go from chicken to beef because beef's too high relative to chicken but you would go from chicken to pork mm -hmm. so i do think because of that if we had a normal chicken market i probably would be more on the bearish side because of that, i think the demand will still be good enough even in a recession that even if we do get this herd a number start to grow here in the, in the hog. We still have a basis for why prices can head higher. And certainly over the summertime here, I still think there's going to be plenty of pent up demand going into this current grilling season to keep the pork price and the hog price elevated at this point. Right. So. Okay. Hey, well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, -T, advisors.com. White papers, sample reports, interviews to let people know what we do and how we do it to see if we could be of service to them. Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also go to my LinkedIn page, all under movingironllc.com. Check those all out. Uh, the LinkedIn page is Moving Iron Podcast, so check that out. Um, go to uh, movingironllc.com. 
for everything Moving Iron related, also for all the information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Sean will be there giving his uh, rundown about what's going on in the marketplace, also looking at that transition between La Nina and El Nino as well. So that'll be a good um, a good talk from Sean. Check out the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, uh, Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check that out, and uh, you'll see all the uh, all the videos that we have there posted as well. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Always a blast. Right on, man. Well, I am Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's go do some iron, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher in the 21st century